Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 2446. Merry Christmas, everybody. Guess what? Santa came by my house, uh, actually came into the garage and delivered something very special for me today. So grab your eggnog, your hot cocoa, sit by the fire and be prepared to be inspired and be surprised. We'll be right back. Merry Christmas. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Merry Christmas, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today I'm in the garage with a very special guest by the name of Jay Leno. Jay, welcome to Cars Yeah. Merry Christmas. Do you have any gear? And are you ready to release the clutch? Yeah, yes, I guess I am actually. Actually, it's a dual clutch. We don't want people in an old show. So let's say dual clutch. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I understand, Jay, you brought along Santa's helpers today, your very good car buddy, Donald Osborne, who's fresh back from a trip to Italy. Donald, welcome back. Thank you very much, Mark. It's great to be back. And of course, it's always wonderful to uh, spend time with Jay on a holiday or any day. That's right, even though we're 3,000 miles apart. <laughs> well, you're not, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're not supposed to say that. See, we're supposed to all be together oh, today. Oh, sorry about so that. That's okay. Oh, gotcha, guys. We're sitting around the fire. <laughs> yeah, you let the cat out of the bag right at the beginning. Well, Jay Leno and Donald Osborne really need no introduction. Uh, both are obviously quintessential car guys with a lifelong passion for classic cars. And, of course, you'll see them d- appearing together on Jay Leno's garage, uh, drains, mansion, and motor cars, and at automotive events and concours events across the country. But I thought today, guys... Since it's Christmas, we would do something special. And what I wanted to do is start off by going back in time a little bit. Christmas has passed. And I'm going to start with you, Jay. Is there an earliest memory you have of a car-related gift that you receive at Christmas? And I want you to tell me why that was so important. And since you still have everything you ever purchased, do you still have it? Well, I'm trying to think. Well, you know, when I was a kid, when I was 14, I got a, uh, I found a 34 Ford kind of gas station in, in North Reading, Massachusetts. And I took my dad down to look at it and we bought it for $350, which was actually a lot of money back then. Yeah. It had the original motor, the V8 and everything, uh, but it wasn't quite running. So we, we dragged it back. I had two years before I got my license to get it running and stuff. I got it running and then, uh, but it, you know, I was, it was like an Earl Shive paint job. You know, I sanded it and I gave it to a guy and he painted for 50 bucks and, you know, that kind of stuff. Uh, but I didn't have, my upholstery was not really good. So my parents treated me to a Naga High upholstery, which was, <laughs> oh, that was, uh, that was the thing. And, uh, okay, so that was the gift. Yeah, I was driving around. And one of my idiot friends, being a 34 Ford, it didn't really have safety glass. And he slammed the door once and the, gla- and the, and the window shut. Oh, no. Okay. So I couldn't. Rent. So I went to school. You know, back from Christmas, I went to school, and the car was in the parking lot. I, I went to one of those suburban schools. Uh, it's all one level at, by that point, and you could see the parking lot. So I'm in like math or English. I don't know what class I was in, and I look out and I, I'm watching my truck in the parking lot because it can't lock it because the window's broken, you know. And I see it starts to rain. And I go, oh boy. You know, my beautiful Naga high upholstery is going to get ruined, you know, and, and it's pouring. And I'm just having connections. Oh, man, it's, oh, what am I going to do? And 
I can't get out. I don't have to cover it if I get out of class. And about 20 minutes, 20 minutes later, I see my mom and dad drive up with a huge tarp. <laughs> and I, I can hear my, I couldn't hear him, but I could see my dad yell, well, you put, well, you put that damn thing on the whole call on the other fender. He's, he's like screaming how to get over, sure. you know, and I, and, I, and, I, and I just started crying. Yeah. Because my, my dad had left work. I lived in a small town, so my dad worked uptown, which was like three miles, you know. And my mom was a homemaker. So he ran home, got her. They got the tarpaulin out of the garage, and they covered my car. And, oh, nice. Uh, well, that's a pretty good Christmas. Yeah, this is the joy of Christmas. I mean, that's why I wanted to start with this question, because we all have those things. Now, Donald, I know you've been a car guy forever, and you're the uh, the king of appearances here on Cars, yeah? But I'm not so sure we've talked about this before. Was there a, a gift that you received on Christmas morning? Well, mine is not nearly as spectacular as Jay's. <laughs> uh, mine is more of a story of, of how I always thought as a kid that there was one of those dark clouds. But actually, it was a dark cloud. It's probably the same thunderstorm that rained on Jay's car always <laughs> over my head. There you go. I, I remember wanting desperately, there was this uh, wonderful plastic battery-controlled model toy, a 66 Ford Mustang Coupe. It was about, I don't know, maybe 20 inches long. Just, I thought the neatest thing on earth. And I kept sort of mentioning it over and over to my uh, older brothers and to my parents that it's really but be great. I really want this for Christmas. I thought, well, and no this way is only four. It. This is only four years ago. I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> He's a young Donald's a young man. You know. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. I remember this uh, quite well. I was about ten years old, I guess. And so, imagine my great delight. To uh, I couldn't sleep, so I got up in the middle of the night and walked downstairs, and I saw my parents putting things under the tree. And, but no, no, yeah, that's supposed to be. It's supposed to go back to bed. So I went back to bed and I thought, I thought I saw this box. I thought, could that be it? So I come down Christmas morning and very excitedly go to the biggest box there. It's got my name on it. I ripped the paper off and there it is. This wonderful orange battery powered Mustang coupe. It's fantastic. I couldn't wait to drive it. And I drove it around and smashed into the, uh, the doorway into the dining room. So like ten minutes after I opened the box, it was broken. I thought. I'm cursed because I saw it the night before. And that's why this is cursed. And I just never meant to have this. So it just scared me off of uh, Cars' gifts for, for decades back. Yeah. Well, you know, that snooping before Christmas, I, I have to admit, I might have done a little bit of that myself. But uh, that's just <laughs> all part of the thing. Now, Jay, did uh, Santa bring you anything this Christmas that you particularly longed for? No, not really. No, no not really. You, you know, when you're in showbiz, you don't have a lot of car friends. No. <laughs> so I I don't want to say how many copies of Big Book of Harley Davidsons I have. Yeah. Or or uh, the Big Book of Exotic Cars. And it's, you know, and, and these books are always like 15 years old, so there's always a vector on the cover. Yeah. Or some uh, other, you know, it, because when you're not car people, oh, I thought you'd like this. And inevitably, they never give you anything with any text where you could read about. Just big pictures, like, oh, like I'm just going to look at pictures. Oh, okay. oh, hey, this is great, Bob. Thank you very much. And of course, they're huge books that weigh like four pounds, and they're like nine ninety five. There's nothing funnier to me than going into a, um, a a bookstore and going, do you have a transportation section? And it's like nine books. There's an old Kilton's manual for like an Austin princess or something, you know, just something that just, it's just hilarious. It's just hilarious. It's very funny to me. Well, here, I'll give you a copy of uh, Stile Transatlantico by uh, a guy named Donald Osborne. I think you might enjoy this. Well, that's a very good book. Donald does a wonderful job. He's probably the best historian I know. 
because he knows, you know, he, he can pronounce the names of the people, which I can't do. Because <laughs> that, that, that's another thing about when you, when you like these exotic cars, you don't know anybody else that does. So consequently, you get your own pronunciation. Oh, it's, who's that Gagari guy? No, it's Gagero. <laughs> what? Oh, it's not Gagari. Uh, oh, oh, you know, and you just wind up. And so I go to Donald whenever I need to find the real name of, you know, Gitetto Bittalini, you know, whatever. <laughs> I know. He knows how to say those Italian words so so well. Oh, yes. He's very, he's very good with those. But no, he really, I mean, if you're looking, it's one of the few books that has wonderful photography but also wonderful text that that, invo- that you get involved as much as you do. Because it's fun to look at pictures and things. But w- when there's text and there's always, Donald always finds the obscure fact that they had tortellini for lunch while designing, you know, whatever it might be. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was probably eating lunch with them. Well, that, but, but I'm saying that, but he always has enough stuff there to keep you interested, you know, fun facts and just, uh, you know, it, it's just a wonderful book. Well, thank you very much, Jay. That's terrific to hear you say that. I'm, I'm very, I'm very flattered and honored. And you, you hit on something that I think is, is really important for me. And one of the reasons why I enjoy spending so much time with, with you and with uh, Mark is the fact that always the story behind the story, I think that's the most interesting um, of, of all. And, uh, you know, so whenever I can find that someplace or I can share that someplace, I'd love to do that. It's what makes our conversations <laughs> so great because um, we never leave any fact unturned there's right, always right. something behind the fact yeah and the fun part is when john and i get together it's not always exotics you know sometimes it's a rambler rebel or it's mm-hmm. a 68 it, it, you know dodge dart you know I, I always tell a story about i went to a uh, car show in wisconsin and i was doing a show there and the car show was the next day so i got up early and walked across the street to where the car show was. and it was raining but it was a, a car show where the car that won was a 66 Pontiac Tempest with the overhead cam six. Mm. That's the basic car that you would buy, but it was immaculate. It was nicely done, uh, you know, and it was just regular people. And cause you know, a lot of times you go to these fancy car shows, people have, you know, dozens of Ferraris and all and so, but you, when I was in Wisconsin, I'm just talking with a bunch of guys and, and they were talking about when the kids get out of college, and the kids are like in eighth grade now. They're going to restore the Chevelle that's in the garage, but they got to wait till the kids are out of college. You know, and it was just nice to get that full spectrum of people that really like cars as opposed to just people who can afford cars. Because I mean, an awful lot of people who can afford cars, but they don't really, they don't live it. They like having it and possessing it. And that's okay too. But it's fun when you meet people who are so dedicated to his you know, 66 Chevelle and all my guys, when the kids get out of school, it's just something to look forward to. It was just kind of fun to just sit around, eat bratwurst and talk to these guys, you know? Well, this is the great thing about the car world. It brings all of us together, no matter where we are, socioeconomic, politics, whatever. It's, we're all car guys, car buddies, car gals. And, and that's a nice little segue. I always like to ask my guests here about what inspires them? I call it driving inspirations. And, and Jay, for somebody that is such a prolific car guy with so many cars and so much knowledge, I wanted to know from you, uh, when it comes to making that decision to buy a car or a motorcycle, what are the what are the key factors that play into your decision buying? Because your collection is so many different things, and your talk about the Tempest is a good example of that. So what are some of your driving inspirations when you decide you want to buy something? Well, it should be fun to drive and interesting to drive. You know, I always wanted a Voisson 
because Gabriel Boisson was a rather quirky individual who he and the Wright brothers had thrown rocks at each other, who was the first one to fly a plane, although the Wright brothers were technically the first. Boisson was the first one to stand next to the plane, pull the prop, fire the plane up, get in the plane, take off, fly in a big circle, and land in the same place. So he considered that first flight versus half a dozen people throwing your plane in the air and then you glide. Uh, so they would always throw rocks at that. He always had quirky cars, but not particularly interesting engines. They were sleeve valve engines, which are, for people who don't know, a really unusual type of engine you don't really see anymore because the whole, the cylinder turns, the, the cylinder turns while the piston is going up and down. It's hard to visualize, but there are no valves. So consequently, they're extremely quiet, but really smoky. You know, okay, so I found one. It, it looked great and it had that quirky whistle sign. And I drove it. It was something Santa Barbara. And I, you know, I'm on Main Street and it's, it's a little slow because sleeve valves are slow, but they smoke. It's just the nature of the vehicle. People were giving me the finger. They were yelling at me. <laughs> hey, hey, pal. Hey, pal. Get your piece of crap car off. I'm going, that's not mine. I'm just, uh, yeah. <laughs> when you look at Keller, I said, you know, it was, it was so disappointing to actually drive, you know? Yeah. So to me, it must be interesting to look at of historical or technical interest, and it must be fun to drive. So yeah. that's why I love Corvairs. And what people think, people who don't know Corvairs just think it's the most horrible car. But to me, it's the most innovative car, certainly of the first 70 years in America. The first time they got away from the Pennard system, engine, the front, transmission, rear end, you know, it was something different. It was very European. I mean, when I drive my 66 Corsa, Kids ask me, is that a Karma gear? No, it's a, it's a Corvair. Corvair. Never heard of it. Darn that Ralph Nader. It, it is one of those things that truly binds me and Jay and something that I think uh, to Jay's point about might surprise them about uh, our automotive relationship. Of course, my first car was a Corvair. So I am a Corvair nut. And I'll never forget that uh, one day I was with some of my Crazer colleagues. They're touring the garage. Jay wasn't in town. He was out on the road. And he called in to just to say hello to, to my friends. And I put him on speaker on my phone, and Jay said, hey to everybody. And he said, uh, Donald, of course, he never asked me before, uh, Donald, if you could get the keys to anything in the garage and drive it home, what would it be? And without skipping beat, I said, your Corsa Coupe. He says, wow, you're a cheap date. But yes. that's to me, it's one of those fabulous cars he has. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Well, you know, Donald, for you, the same question, because your taste is so broad and your knowledge with all these cars. But if you were going to, and you have, go buy a car, and you bought some very interesting cars in the last few years, what's your driving inspiration? Well, I'm going to go back to an earlier question that you asked Jay about uh, Santa and Christmas. Because uh, although uh, I didn't spend Christmas in Italy, I did actually buy myself a Christmas gift while I was there oh. uh, two weeks ago. I bought a 1962 Lancia Appia sedan. Oh, my. I love launches, as does Jay. The absolute triumph of engineering over marketing. The engineers ruled the company and, okay, let the people in marketing sales figure out how to sell them. We're going to build the best and most interesting cars we can. The little 1100cc uh, narrow angle four. Uh, V4 engine, amazing build quality. You know, this, this car that I bought has 21,000 kilometers from new. I'm the uh, third owner of the car. It's been repainted once in uh, the early 1970s, and the interior is completely original. Everything else about the car is original. It drives amazingly. The start, the first turn of the key, idles so smoothly. It's like you're listening to a 1930s Packard. It's just <laughs> absolutely astonishing, and I just could not pass this thing up. Did I need to buy 
Lancia Appia? No, I don't think so. But I thought I couldn't leave this car where it was because I just wanted to, and I haven't had a Lancia for a while. So again, it's one of those things that you drive history, you drive the feeling of hundreds and thousands of people that created this car for a reason. And I joked years ago, Jay and I did a seminar together at Pebble Beach, and I announced Jay, whenever we like to work together, I should say whenever we like, whenever we work together, I like to surprise Jay. I'll come up with a topic, I'll tell him what it is, I'll say, okay, let's go, we'll talk about this. And I said, I'm going to define your collecting, you know, <laughs> how you collect and why you collect. He okay. said, oh, that's good, I can't wait to hear this. Yep. And went through everything, you know, you know, how many collections in the world go from Corvairs to Duesenbergs and include Bugattis and, and, and jet-powered uh, motorcycles. And, uh, and, I, and I came up with this little acronym. I said, J collect with HEFT, A-T-F-T, history, emotion, fun, and technology. Those things can be found in every item in his garage. And it's interesting. And I don't know if you, you, tell, you tell us, Jay, I don't know if it's not something that's conscious they look for, but I think it's, it's a part of, of who Jay is. And well, that's how he I wants al- to express himself. I also like noble failures. Those are, that's mm. one of my mm. favorite. You, know, uh, you mentioned Lancia, the app, a perfect example of engineering over marketing. That was the genius of Lee Iacocca. Because mm-hmm. Lee Iacocca, when they came up with Mustang originally, let's have independent resistance. He said, you don't need any of that crap. Just make it look good. Put it on a Falcon chassis. You know, because most people couldn't tell a six-cylinder from a V8 when the hood is closed. And that, that's what made it such a genius product. It was affordable. It appeared, it appealed to everybody. And it was affordable. You know, Lancia was so expensive to build. When you look at the, the, the hinge, on when you open the hood of Lancia, the hinge goes click this way forward and then comes. I mean, it's the most, <laughs> most elaborate but simple, brilliant-looking hinge. It took somebody months probably to design that and build it and, you know, versus just having a rod holding the, the hood up, you know? Yeah. Like when you fly on an airline, whoever has the cheapest ticket. I mean, the, the plane could have duct tape on it, you know, <laughs> go, but, but, but if it's $99, hey, I'm taking that flight, you know? So are you surprised at this uh, purchase of Donald's? No, no, it's exactly what, if I was trying to find a gift for Donald, it would be something like, exactly like that. So, yeah. and I love those. That's the one with the, uh, it's the four door that opens from the center, right, Donald? That's right. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Pillarless. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Wonderful car. Wonderful to drive. Yeah. Lancia was really just a, a fascinating car company, but they just, you know, Fiat made a cheaper, flashier car and that's what sold. Well, there you go. Are there, or is there, I should say, for for a Christmas morning talk, a specific individual builder or designer, even an engineer for you, Jay, that when it comes to cars really stands out, that when you learn more about them and you ended up buying a car that this individual created and had a hand in, really made you smile and still does today, perhaps? Well, there are, you know, everybody knows Ferdinand Porsche and Benz and and, uh, Daimler. Uh, they don't really, Frederick Lanchester, uh, they don't really know. Uh, Abner Doble, nobody knows. Abner Doble, I've, you know, I've got a 1925 Doble steam car, mm. which is to this day the most advanced steam car we've ever built. It's the only car where you turn a key and you pull away. You know, you know most steam cars, you have to get on your hands and knees and use a blowtorch and light the pilot and heat it up and wait and wait. But the Doble just came, it came out in 1925. 
And by that time, gas cars were here to stay. He, but he built a car that's it's faster than my Duesenberg. I mean, it's a thousand foot pounds of torque from zero. Wow. It's an, it's an, it's an amazing, I was driving it yesterday. It's an amazing car. It just makes me laugh. It's dead. It's as silent as a Tesla. It's electric. You know, when you stop, the engine stops just like modern stop. It just has all these kind of interesting things. But I would say Doble. Uh, I would say Mark Burkett, who designed the Spano. Mark mm. Burkett was a brilliant engineer. He also designed the linkage that allows you to have front brakes on cars back in the early days because what would happen you know henry ford used to say the safety of steel from pedal to wheel because you had a rod from the pedal to the rear brake and you pressed on it and the rod would pull the brake stop mm-hmm. but you couldn't put on the front wheels because when you turn the wheels left to right you're stretching the rod so it would automatically apply the brake so you just couldn't do it and he made the linkage that allowed it to move and and do that kind of thing so i would say mark burkett and abner doble are two of the more obscure but interesting ones yeah those are some rare names in rarefied air donald i know for you you tend to like things that are very unique and different so if you think about that same question is there someone that stands out for you well, um, I don't know if I could pick a specific, well, I could pick a number of specific designers for the aesthetic and certainly some for the engineering. Again, to the point of, I love the combinations of the aesthetic and the engineering. So for me, one of my favorite cars, again, shockingly a car that Jay owns and one which I will own, come close a couple of times and never quite gotten there, the Citroen SM, because it combines the best of the Italian, this wonderful uh twin cam Italian um, V6 engine uh, with a wonderful Citroen um, uh, hydro-pneumatics and a beautifully designed body. It is the perfect thing because the Citroen DS is a wonderful car, but it lacks a good engine. And here you've got a Citroen with a good engine. <laughs> so it seems to have absolutely everything. So it's probably one of my favorites. And again, just any car that has that combination of things. One of the things that, um, for interesting, Jay just mentioned, sleeve valve engine. I recently drove two cars which were competitors in their day, back-to-back, and the contrast could not have been greater. I drove a Minerva with a sleeve valve engine, which was a marvelous thing, uh, very, very, very heavy, almost ponderous, but very much the car they meant to create because it was sort of one of these road destroyers that, you know, as a big luxury car, except everything that you needed to totally isolate yourself from what was happening outside. And I drove a Rolls Phantom II. Um, and I thought, well, this is a town car. It's going to be ponderous. It was the smoothest, silkiest thing to drive. It was absolutely astonishing. I thought, wow, in just one relatively short drive, about you know an hour, I figured out why Rolls Royce was a business and Minerva wasn't. <laughs> and you know, it's just the way a car that, and generally speaking, a car that's conceived by either an individual like Ferdinand Porsche, uh, like um, uh, Hans Ludwinka, as opposed to a large company with a committee, a design committee and a review, uh, production review committee, you get cars that are just absolutely amazing because they do exactly what their makers intended them to do for the marketplace. You know, they, they fit, they fit their, uh, their, their brief very well and, and they deliver that. Whether they're 120 years old, you know, it could be, you know, a Ford Model S or it's a, uh, a car that was just built uh, last year. Okay, I tend to like any car that was one man's vision. And I say it's not a sexist remark because there weren't women designing cars back in those days. But he, like Gordon Murray designed the F1 McLaren. 
he didn't like radios. He thought they were a distraction. So you can't get enough one with a radio. Uh, Isagonas, who designed the Mini, same thing, would not sell a Mini with a radio. So people made a fortune selling radios to put into Minis. But, you know, as flawed as some of these things might be, the initial concept is always brilliant. W.O. Bentley was a railroad engineer, and he brought sort of modern techniques of using alloy pistons and things and aircraft into automobiles. W.O. Bentley, the Duesenberg brothers, people that had just their own idea. Uh, I guess in the more modern world, it would be Elon Musk with the with the Tesla. Whether you like it or not, I mean, the guy is a genius. He came to my garage in 2007 with the prototype to his uh, his roadster, his little Lotus roadster. And I drove and he said to me, you know, I'm going to put charging stations all up and down the coast and it'll be free. And I'm going, yeah, right. That'll happen. <laughs> well, but you know, something he as he was building that first car. He was buying the land and getting the infrastructure ready for when that car was. I mean, to this day, even big automakers, oh, you can buy my electric. You can charge it anywhere. Just plug it in. Well, no, you can't. You really can't. It's it's why you, to have that vision, everything. Because I really thought Elon was a dreamer. Like, yeah, yeah, you're gonna have charging stations all up and down the coast. Okay, yeah, sure, you know. But he was he got five thousand of them now. It's incredible. And I saw where uh, you were just playing in the uh, the tented version of the uh, Cybertruck just last week on your Jay Leno's Garage show. How was that? You know, again, amazing technology. When you realize that the Cybertruck is almost 4,000 pounds less weight than the Hummer. Yeah. Because Elon has developed these lightweight, lightweight, I'm being, you know, by comparison. That, that's light, in quotes, yes. Lightweight back. <laughs> And he also developed a new battery that you can charge to 100% every day as opposed to just 80% or 85 as they do now. You know, it's always amazing to me because I always say this, but people say, oh, once the Germans get involved, Elon will be out of business, their technology. Well, I'm sorry. I always put my faith in American technology, and it hasn't let me down yet. And to this day, they still have the most modern electrics, the most modern thing. I mean, you know, he comes up with with things, well, for example, a lot of people don't know this, but the Cybertruck has a scuba package. Did you know that? Yeah, pretty cool, huh? <laughs> you can go in the water, and it'll the air pressure will force the any water that comes into the truck out through the yeah. leak holes or whatever. Else. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's pretty amazing. I mean, he's got things that I mean. All the, all the cameras on the cars, if somebody scratches it, it takes a picture of them. You get a video of the guy keying your car. You know, I mean, things nobody else thought of. You know, that HVAC system filters like 99.9% of the air. I mean, you can, you can literally drive through a forest fire in a Tesla with that HVAC system on it. And the air is clean. It's filtered inside. I mean, just things nobody else thinks of. So, Jay, I just realized something that you're, you're selling all this. And you talk about um, engineering vision. Perhaps uh, Q Branch is actually the uh, designing the, the the Teslas. I think that. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, the Q. Surely you're joking. I never joke. You know, like, exactly. <laughs> there you go. But you know, you know Llewellyn, mm. the actor who played Q. He has real car history. You know what it is? Yeah. His father bought the very first Bentley, W. O. Bentley. He bought it off the stand at the. Uh, Olympia Auto Show. Wow! And when I had had him on the Tonight Show, and we talked about it, and it was it was interesting. He was, he was <laughs> amazing. Quite, 
he was quite an elderly gentleman by that point, but he well in his eighties. But uh, yeah, but it was fascinating talking about his dad met W. O. Bentley and bought the car right off the floor, and you know all this kind of stuff. So it, it's kind of cool. Well, it's very cool. You know, I wanted to look a little bit ahead, Christmases of the future here. And, you know, Audrain and the show you do, you two guys do together with the mansions and motor cars is spectacular. I love the combination. My dad was an architect, so I've got an affinity to that. If you look ahead at the automotive collector car industry, what do you guys think about what's coming? I feel really positive about it because I interview so many young people that are so fired up about this. A lot of people say, eh, young kids don't want to drive. I don't think that's so true. For you, Jay, when you look ahead, I mean, you've got a garage full of old cars, so your future is set. But what do you see in the future for the automotive collector car industry? Well, you know, it's like rock and roll and rap. They couldn't be more different, but there's still music. Mm-hmm. To me, shows like Radwood, kind of go over my head because cars from the 90s were just old cars. They just used cars to me. I, I saw three of those on the street yesterday, you know. But but if you if you were born in the year 2000 and having a Miata from that year, oh, it's a, it's a 24-year-old car now. You know, it, I mean, it sort, of, it sort of makes me laugh. I mean, I think the future is very bright because in the old days, when cars were part of the culture with, you know, little GTO and little Deuce Coupe, but guys who knew nothing about cars pretended to to get girls. And girls pretended to care about cars to mm-hmm. meet guys. But, but there really weren't. The, I meet people now who either know nothing about cars and couldn't care less or fanatically interested in it. And a lot of it is from the computer side of it, you know. You know, it, it's funny. I've, I've had students come through the garage and they see the guys full of carburetors and go, man, what's that? What is that? You know, they show them about needles and jets and they're fascinating. And my guys are stunned by the computers, you know, so, so it, it just changes, but I think it, I think it's all good. I mean, colleges like McPherson, they give a four year degree in automobile restoration. It's not like one of the biotech things where you go for 90 days. I mean, it's a, it's a situation where, you get, and they get placed in like the Jaguars Classic Center in England. A lot of them go to Mercedes Classic because they have a full. De- I mean, they take all the college courses, but they also take courses in magneto rebuilding, old paints. How do you how do you recreate the paint that was done back in the day? You know, all kind of things. So, so I, I'm quite hopeful about. Uh, I still think the golden era will be 1918 to 1976, but I think there's a lot of new things coming too. Well, I was just going to say they brought that wonderful Mercedes to the lawn at Pebble this past summer and uh, ended up, I think they got a second place in their category. Yeah, they got a second place. And that was not a gift. That was a real second place. It wasn't like, oh, let's give an honorary award to these kids. No, I mean, they competed with the best restoration shops in, not I was going to say in the country, but it's not. It's the world. Yeah, you know, and and came in second. That's pretty good. I mean, that's like a Rocky movie, you know. <laughs> it's cool. And Donald, I know at Audrain, you guys, your your effect and importance of young people in the car world is so key. I mean, even in the Audrain Concord, you have an under thirty category, which I'm not sure anybody else does that. So, what's your your optimistic outlook of the future for young people in old cars? Well, three things. I'm going to uh, say that I am extremely optimistic, and I'm also going to do something that uh, Jay himself did not do, but actually give Jay credit. The 30 under 30 in the uh, Audrain Concours was Jay's idea. All right, cool. For a class in the Concours uh, for people who are 30 years old or younger who had spent 
or invested $30,000 or less in their cars they were displaying. And uh, we were the first to do it. A number of Concours have adopted it. And I think that it's something that is sort of like open sourcing. It's not something we want to keep as a proprietary thing for ourselves because we want this to spread everywhere. Now there's Concours in the UK uh, that does a 30 into 30 um, and, and several in the US that do it as well. And the entire idea is also not to have the children's table, not to have a little show somewhere over there for the young people. Mm, yeah. It's to have the people integrated onto the main show field, judged by the same team of international judges that judges the Duesenbergs and the Hispano Suizas and the Bugattis and the Cadillacs and the Packards, that the best in class is eligible for the best of show consideration. And it's not that they did a good job for who they are. No, what is it that they intended to do? How are they honoring the, the manufacturer and creators of these cars in this way? And also one of the things that it surprises a lot of people, doesn't surprise me, doesn't surprise Jay, um, is the range of cars that they bring. It's not just the 1980s, 90s, and 2000s cars. They bring 1911 Franklins. I mean, right. 1938 Hupmobiles. Um, so it's, it's an incredible range. And so that to me makes me very, very, very uh, hopeful. Plus, and Jay is a big uh, fan of veteran cars as I have become in the last 20 years. I've become absolutely obsessed by them. And to see the number of young people, people in their teens and 20s, who are fascinated by pre-World War I cars because they are completely mechanical. It is something completely strange and, and alien to the entire way they grew up in the digital age where you don't repair a cell phone. You throw it away and get a new one. And all of a sudden, you've got something with exposed valve gear. You actually see how the engine works while it's working. And, and that's something that, you know, everything else is, today is magic. It comes from the wall or, or you just turn it on and, and think about it and it occurs. Understanding you know, how your relationship is built with an object. If you're going to drive a veteran car, you have to operate it every second that you're you're behind the wheel or right right but the interesting part is it started because i would go to car shows and i would go to those kind of car shows where the ropes are around the car and they have the sign unless you're new don't approach this car you know all those kind of (laughs) stupid things and i would hear young people look at a duesenberg and go oh stupid thing that is you know and i go why because they never sat in it they weren't allowed to hear it. you know whenever i got a car show i open my car door and say you kids want to sit in this yeah you know and i've been doing it for so long i have guys in their 40s that come to car shows with pictures of them when they were six sitting in my kuntas <laughs> but nice. you realize that that's how you get spark going you know i mean i because i always relate to i have a friend who collects Maytag washing machines from about what? late 1800s. Well, I'll tell you why, up until about 1910. Because when you bought one of those washing machines, the motor was right next to the agitator. And since it was visible, it was brass and it was chrome and it was German nickel. And when it moved, you know, things went tick, 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 tick. And you'd see the little act like watching the back of a clock. And it was fascinating to look at. Wow. And then somebody along and said, you know, we can make it a lot cheaper. Just put a white box over it. And everybody lost interest in how they operated. But when you see these early ones, you know, this is what people did before Netflix. You watch mechanical things, you know? Yeah. yeah. And it was interesting. So to me, that's why the 30 and the 30 star, because I saw, why, why aren't these people? Well, I remember Duesenberg's when I was a kid riding in one. I think, oh my God, this thing is so cool, you know? But if you never had any experience, you know, if, a, you know, I, I, I bought an XK120 Jag because when I was nine, a man let me sit in his. I saw it. I was riding my bike, came over the hill, and he was in the 
driveway polishing. And I went, oh, man, look at that. And he said, hey, kid, you want to sit in this? Yeah, yeah. You know, this is before all men were pedophiles. You know? Oh, gosh. And I said, okay. And it was so funny because I thought that guy was an old man. Yeah, yeah. And almost 40 years later, I found that he was still alive. And I realized he was only 10 years older than I was. <laughs> that, that, that ember burned. For a long time in there, which is cool. You know, I've got to ask you, Jay, you know, you've always been a West Coast guy. I grew up down in San Diego County, so old time used to have long hair and surfed back when I had hair. And uh, you're you got a house out there in Newport. And I got to ask, how much influence did Donald have on this this purchase of yours? Was he was he to blame? Well, I, I'm, I'm from the East Coast. You know, it's funny. The West Coast, you meet a few guys with a lot of cars. You go to the East Coast, you meet single individual that have one car and they probably had it 30 years and it's either in their, their parents' garage or it's in a barn somewhere. And it's just different. I mean, there are certainly big collectors on the East coast as well, but it's just a different type of collecting. It, it, it's, it's more about preserving history or, you know, like it, it made me laugh when I came to California and a friend said, you know, my parents' house was built in 1948. And I go, what? <laughs> I mean, I lived on a street where there was a barn that was built in 16, like 89, sure. or something, you know? Yeah. And, it, and it, was, it just made me laugh. 1948? What are you talking about? That's not, you know, it just, it just made me laugh, you know? Yeah, it's very unique. You know, I played a little game here, Jay, and, and Donald's done this quite well, actually. So I'm going to ask you, I'm going to be car psychologist. I've got a special uh, special uh, certificate I actually made in Photoshop, so I don't tell anybody. It's real. Um, I crawl into my guest heads. This is something I hope no one's ever asked you before. All right. If you were reincarnated, pun intended, manifest as a vehicle, and this isn't what you want to be because that's way too easy. We would love to be a sleek sports car, but maybe at this point in life we don't quite look like that. At least I don't. What kind of vehicle would you be? But the real important part of this is, so what is Jay Leno? What kind of car would I be? Yeah, yeah, and us again. This is you looking at the man in the mirror, kind of getting on the psychologist couch here a little bit. Yeah, who is Jay Leno if he's a car? I don't really know. I, you know, I'm a huge believer in low self esteem. I think it's the key. To, <laughs> because okay. when you don't, when you don't, when you don't think you're the smartest person in the room, you shut up and you listen. And there's a certain advantage to that. I learned that doing television. I know so many friends when they got television shows. No, here's how I see it. No, I don't want those kind of lights. I want these kind of lights. And you realize you're talking to a, a lighting director who's been doing this for 35 years. You know, hire the best people. Get them to do what they do. And, and, and you just do what you do. You do one thing well. Okay, you don't do anything else well. Most people, have, most people can't do anything. Some people do one thing. And there are a few people that can do many things, but they are few and far between. So to me, if I was going to be a car, it'd probably be something reasonably dependable, like an E55 AMG or something that was, you know, four doors comfortable. It was reasonably quick, but not kind of a Q ship kind of thing. So I don't know. I never really thought about if I was a car. No, it's a, it's a unique question. So Donald, I'm going to twist this for you. What, what do you think Jay is? <laughs> this should be fun. Oh, um, if I can just take a sidestep before I answer, and I will answer. During one of the uh, seminars here at the uh, Adrian Newport Conqueror and Motor Week, uh, we had uh, two Jays up on the stage, Jay Leno and Jay Ward. And someone asked, since Jay Ward is uh, you know, in charge of the uh, Pixar Disney Cars franchise, what car 
what he picked as a ca- as a character uh, for the people on the stage, and he came to me and he said, "A Borg Ward Isabella," which I thought was absolutely hysterical. I love Borg Ward Isabella. Oh, they're fantastic, See? but I think that it was a combination of something that I had to be slightly obscure because that's how he saw me. Somebody sort of uh, they're they're not not what you expect. So I think that to Jay's point, I would probably think that oh, I know exactly. <laughs> but he'd be, it's from his collection, but but that's fine. Actually, I think he'd be a Chrysler, a Chrysler turbine car Ooh. because it's an object with great style, incredible engineering complexity, and an amazing execution that you cannot find very many of. So, to me, that's Jay. Ah, uh, nice. What do you think? Does that fit fit your impression of yourself, Jay? Um, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. I was thinking Gallimore, the Creator's popcorn wagon. You were saying one of those. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, because yeah. it's entertaining. Yeah, it makes an entrance. People are immediately drawn to it, and it's dependable. There you go. It does what I have to do. So you know, I mean, if you drive at one of those creators, is it creators? That I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. If you've seen one of those, usually they're on the back of a Model T and they have a Calliope and everything else. But they drive up and the, you see the popcorn behind the glass. Dun, 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 and just people run to it. Adults, kids, everybody likes it. So when Donald shows up, you know, magically dressed with the bow tie, you know, people, oh, who's who's that guy? Oh, that's the guy. He's in charge of the Audrain. Oh, they, so he's sort of the face of it. You know, when you think of the Audrain, you think of Donald as 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 the guy you go to, the guy that has all the answers to all the questions you might have. So <laughs> I, I think the Creator's popcorn wagon would be good. I can Thank see you. that. I'm going to have to redo my business cards now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, before we go and we part ways today, I always like to enable my guests. This is going to be a little bit of a challenge here because what I do, Jay, is I allow you to get into any vehicle and take it on a drive anywhere in the world. But here's the most important part, because I think you'll agree this car hobby we're in is really about people. It brings people together of all walks of life, friends that you haven't seen for a year. You walk on a Concord lawn and you're immediately their friend again. So for you, Jay, if I could send you on the ultimate drive, for a guy who's driven just about everything that rolls on rubber, uh, what would the ultimate drive be for you? But most importantly for you, who would you take with you? And here's the key. It could be somebody from the past that no longer is with us so this could be somebody well that could get that could get very smelly yeah well (laughs) (laughs) now that's the first time i've heard that answer but i'm not surprised coming from you but here's the keys i was i was thinking for the exact opposite reason a car is probably the only place you can truly be alone Ah. in the the modern world like to me when i'm when i'm trying to write material i'll say it out loud to myself but you can't really do it at home. What'd you say, honey? Uh, not, nothing. What? What? What'd you say? It wasn't sound that funny. I know. I'm not. I don't. It's not finished. I'm just trying to come. You know, when it's like, um, I'm sure Donald sings in the car all the time when he's alone, because you can't do that in a restaurant or any other. Although Donald, Donald would. <laughs> but what I mean is, what I mean is, uh, it does bring people together, but it does allow you. A little solid. When you think about it, you really can't get much solitude anymore. But you get on the open road and you can listen to whatever you want on the radio. Or you can just talk out loud or talk through things. And, you know, like to me, I would just, uh, uh, I'll t- you know, doing comedy, it's the economy of words. You try to say the funniest thing in the shortest way possible. So you, you, you will, I'll, I'll drive around for a half hour. And what I'm driving is way more important than where I'm going, you know, because I enjoy the experience. So, um, wow. 
Another unique answer. That makes sense. No doubt. So will we find you guys uh, hanging out together again at Audrain's and continuing with the, uh, obviously, Jay Leno's Garage on YouTube, which I love every Monday, uh, to see who's showing up in your garage. But uh, will you be hanging out again uh, doing some more mansions and motor cars? Well, the fun thing about doing it with Donald is it really is truly unscripted. It's just two car guys talking. And I like to think it, it, it's as if, Two guys just met for the first time. And what do you like? I like, oh, you know, I like that too. And we have similar, we couldn't be more different. Hmm. Yet we have this one similar passion. And to me, opposites attract far more than people like-minded interests, you know, because I'm drawn by Donald's intelligence and he knows the, all the European designers and all that. Stuff. So, you know, to me, I, I, I always say, and this, this sounds like a terrible thing, men have allies, women have friends. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah. I like to hang out with people who make me better, and hopefully, maybe I can make them better. And so, consequently, when I, I when, when I have guy friends, they're usually people who can help me in some way, and I can help them in some. Yeah. You know, I can. Oh, I, yeah, I know that guy. I can. Oh, could you go for me? And I go, yeah. Hey, can you fix this holly carpet? Yeah, no problem. You know, and 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 it's it, it's just it's just sort of fun. You know, so uh, Donald really has a foot in in each world, which I think is fascinating. Well, it is. And I, you know, this is how we got together today. I've been wanting to have you on the show for nine years. Donald made it happen. So Donald is a bringer together of car buddies. You know, I've been ducking your phone calls for nine years. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I finally got you, Jay. Donald Donald tricked me. Donald tricked me. And I go, oh, oh, it's it's that Mark guy again. Don't (laughs) come. Well, I I can't thank you and and Donald enough for, for doing this with me today. It makes the best Christmas ever. And before I let you guys go here... I wondered if you would share maybe some, uh, what I always say, parting words of wisdom or advice. And this could be for life, could be for the new year, because it's a week away. Holy cow, 2024, this year's flown by. I wonder, Jay, if you'd leave us with some, maybe some words of inspiration for the new year coming. Words of inspiration? Yeah. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, I, I don't know. You know, be kind, that's always my thing. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't take a lot of effort uh, to, to do that, you know. Uh, whenever I meet, like, Young people that interested in cars, you know, I love them sit in the car and talk. And it, it, it's always paid off dividends. You know, I meet them years later and they'll tell me they bought something because I influenced them or whatever it might be. So I would say be kind. That's that kind of work. It's pretty simple, isn't it? And Donald, I know you always have wonderful pros when it comes to influencing and inspiring others. How about you for the upcoming new year? I think it's uh, be true to yourself. And that doesn't mean being selfish. It means understanding that I can only be me. I can't be somebody else. I can't change myself for what somebody else expects me to be. I can only be the best of who I am and share that with the world. And that's, I think I'm so incredibly grateful for the gift that I have been given to be able to share my passion and my enthusiasms and have other people appreciate that. That, that to me is absolutely extraordinary. It's not a Broadway musical. <laughs> <laughs> I got to be me. I gotta be me. I share my passion. Did we just get Jay to sing on the show, Donald? I think that just happened. Of course, yeah. absolutely. See, that's another one of Jay's secrets. He he talks about singing in the car. 
Jay, whenever we get into the car together, I can't stop Jay from singing. It's <laughs> amazing. He just, just sings over and over. I just do over it over. to keep Donald from singing. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> I'll try that next time. Well, guys, I, I can't thank you enough for doing this with me today. You just you just made the end of my year and the start to the new year. I, I want to wish both of you a very Merry Christmas and a very healthy, prosperous new year. All righty. Uh, filled with cars and fun. And until you guys and I talk again, thanks for being here. I'll see you down the road. All right. Bye-bye. Thanks. Merry Christmas. My absolute pleasure. For several years now, you've heard me talk about Linkage Magazine. I've been a subscriber since the start. Their talented and creative team brings you a spectacular publication and website that shares the automotive passion from a worldwide perspective. Linkage is about driving, restoring, collecting, and firsthand experience at collector car auctions and more. They bring you real-world values plus rational, experienced opinions on the current markets. They cover the automotive world and the people who share our passions. And Linkage Magazine has grown, mailing you six issues annually. Join me on this journey with Linkage. They're geared for the automotive life. You can subscribe at LinkageMag.com. Years ago, when it was time to renew my collector car insurance policy, my carrier's rates went up way up, but my usage was the same and I never made a claim. I didn't even have a ticket. So what's with that? So I turned to American Collectors Insurance. Has your collector car insurance recently raised your rates for no good reason? Tired of paying an annual membership fee? Then it's time to look around and call American Collectors Insurance. I shopped around, I asked friends for recommendations, and found a winner that I can trust. And boy, I'm glad I did. I saved hundreds of dollars every year and slept better at night knowing my baby was properly insured. American Collectors Insurance have been protecting vehicles since 1976. They provided me with an agreed value insurance policy backed by their history of taking great care of their clients. What could be better than that? So give them a call and ask for a quote today. 866-ACI-YEAH. That's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love like I did with American Collectors Insurance. Classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!